Yes, we are back with a brand new series of War of the Words podcast. Absolute pleasure to be back on the airwaves for series two of War of the Words. Of course, I am your host, Andreas Giorgio, joining you after quite a long break without War of the Words in your daily routines, your weekly lives, unfortunately. We are back, though, with Series 2. If you've been following me on Twitter, at Andre M. Joyer, you will have seen me promoting a brand new style of War of the Words podcast. It's been a really hectic couple of months for me. Moving out of university, finally finished my three-year degree in sports journalism, moving back home and readjusting to the real world, as many would call it. So it's been crazy hectic. I've got Las Vegas just around the corner for the IMAF World Championships. Cannot wait to be over there in Nevada for that. Going to be my first experience of Las Vegas during, of course, UFC International Fight Week. So lots of preparation to get ready for next weekend. This weekend, in fact, I'll be at FCC in Bolton. And next weekend, Amsterdam for Glory 31, which features Sang Chai, making his glory debut and in the main event, Siddiq Chai going up against Robin Van Roosmal in a rematch from Glory 25 Monza. So we have, for myself, a very, very busy couple of weeks uh, coming up. I don't know how I'm going to try and deal with everything, fit everything in. I've got uh, a major freelance project I'm working on at the minute, trying to juggle, even being able to eat with, with doing all this MMA work, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So... It's great to be back with All The Words Podcast, guys. Let me just quickly explain before we go on to the main show what the new format is all about. New format, new style, new time. So do not forget, Tuesdays, 3 p.m. is a new time you can listen to All The Words Podcast. Of course, we went from Wednesdays to Thursdays in Series 1. Tuesdays now, because of new commitments with the Mind Diet Podcast I'm doing with Vinnie Shawman and Roberto Reed, means that for me to get everything done in the week and not to have a complete overload, I have to move the show a bit early. So we're having the show, Word of Words, Tuesday, 3pm. It will be available on SoundCloud and iTunes, the same places where you found it all the other times. Please hit that subscribe button on iTunes and it will download to your phones automatically every Tuesday at 3pm. So that's a new time slot, the new setup for All The Words Podcast. Obviously, you know, the original series of the show, we, we'd have, tend to have a couple of guests on a week and kind of discuss with them what's, you know, going on in their life, what's going on in their world, go back and forth, really. And, you know, as much as I enjoyed that, as much as I, ha- you know, enjoyed the variety of having you know, a few different people, maybe a journalist or a fighter, a kickboxer, um, a manager, you know, on the show... It felt really rigid and it felt like I was just doing an interview that really I could have just written out and put on MMA Plus, put on MMA Mad. It was just basically a lazy way to do an interview. So, you know, there are lots of podcasts out there that do that and that's absolutely fine. But I wanted to do something different. And that's why the new format of War the West podcast, we are going to be focusing on one guest Every week, yeah, just one. It's going to still be the, the same format between 45 minutes and 60 minutes long. But we will be having one guest, and we will be having with this one guest, we will be speaking about a variety, a a large amount of topics in the world of mixed martial arts. So, for example, this week's guest, absolutely huge pleasure to welcome on later on in the show, Brian Lacey from the WOCast, the tremendous comic who made the jump to mixed martial arts, been doing some fantastic things, going to be working with Bama. He's got some stuff uh, that he's been doing with MMA Mad, which has been tremendous as well. I've had the privilege to work with him at Bama 25. And yeah, it's going to be great to chat to Brian Lacey about that. He's 
going to be fighting this weekend at Wimp to Warrior. Uh, he's had a six-month training camp from a Wimp, and he's going to hopefully turn into a Warrior. Uh, he's doing some great stuff working with ACB, that Russian promotion. So I just want to talk to to Brian about a plethora of topics, you know, in the world of mixed martial arts, and of course UFC 200, which is now just around the corner, probably the the midway point through June, nearly July. So we're going to be talking. Plenty of topics with Brian Lacey, and that's how hopefully the show will continue to go week in, week out. We'll have one guest, we'll talk plenty of topics, enough topics to keep you guys entertained. And as I say, Brian's, you know, he's a reporter, he's a journalist, but that those aren't the only types of people we're going to be having on the show. We've already got some great stuff lined up. Fighters, managers, coaches, people, you know, involved in, in the world of mixed martial arts, and you're going to absolutely love it, I promise you. That's the Andreas Giorgio guarantee. So, guys, I don't want to keep talking any longer. It's a brand new series of War of the Words podcast. Brian Lacey joins me right after the break. Let's kick it off and let the War of the Words begin. So it's time to kick off the Series 2 of War of the Words podcast. As we just said in our introductions, new show, new style. We're here for Series 2 and we're going to be bigger, badder and better than ever before. And I can't think of a better first guest to have on the second series of War of the Words podcast. And this man who I'm going to introduce right now, he's a, a dude that has been taking... The MMA report and presenting World by Storm recently got a really cool gig over at ACB, a Russian promotion, doing it, the commentary over there. And, and of course, he's just going from, from one step to another with just the tremendous work he's doing. He, he's going to be fighting this weekend, went to Warrior, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot more later on in the broadcast. But this is my man, Brian Lacey from the WOCast, joining us now on War of the Words podcast. Brian, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, mate. Oh, pleasure to be here. I'm going to try and live up to, uh, to that wonderful introduction, mate. Before we kick off, though, we, I always do this, and I don't mean to start the, uh, uh, the podcast off in a seedy sort of way, but what are you wearing, mate? Come on, what are you wearing? I'm okay, pictur- well... I'm picturing, I'm picturing cravat and moleskin trousers, something like that. Come on. I don't want to disappoint you, Brian, but today is not a, a cravat. It's not a bow tie day. <laughs> it, it's a pyjama day, working... <laughs> From my, my bedroom, got a massive freelance project I'm doing at the minute, and it's literally like I haven't seen the light of day for quite some time. So oh. I'm, I'm welcoming you into my bedroom for, for the War of the Words podcast. This is it. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be in your boudoir, mate. Let's get physical. Let's do this. I assume you're in a suit because you've just been on a really fantastic speed awareness course as well. <laughs> <laughs> the irony of that is I was almost late, so I had to speed to get here. So I don't think that's a, uh, a, a little vicious circle in itself. But yeah, I've just completed four and a half hours with Peter and Wendy um, telling me why I shouldn't speed again. And uh, I'll never do it again, mate. Never, never in my life will I speed again. There you go. Well, that, that Peter and Wendy, they've changed your life for the better. That's right. They've changed a lot of people's lives, mate. Not just mine. Every day they're touching souls. So uh... I like. I like to dedicate this show to Peter and Wendy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, look, that, that's that's enough Peter and Wendy talk. I'm sure. I'm sure the Water Wizards listeners already have a lot of love for Peter and Wendy. Let's talk about a lot of love for Brian Lacey, of course. Um, people who have followed UK MMA will have have seen your your real big rise um, as an MMA presenter recently. You've been doing some really great stuff. Kicked it all off with. The woe cast, and it's gone from strength to strength, man. Working with MMA Mad, and you've got that new gig at ACB as well. But it's all kind of started as your background in comedy. 
And I just want to kind of get a kind of gauge from you how we link comedy into mixed martial arts and how that all came about for you. <laughs> uh, just, just by accident, I think the fact that the comedian's lifestyle uh, lends itself well to being able to watch MMA events at three, four, five, six o'clock in the morning, uh, that, that was easy. Also, you spend a lot of time on your own as a comedian. It's, it looks all glamorous, but uh, I'll tell you, when you're driving back from a Rotherham working men's club and you've earned £84 uh, minus petrol, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a lonely world. So it's, it's quite like being an MMA fan. You've got to uh, put in the hours, you spend a lot of time on your own. Own, uh, and probably too much time without human contact. Well, I'm waiting for the day that we get the research project where how many years of my life it's taken <laughs> off me that I've had to stay up till 6am <laughs> to watch the UFC, hopefully. Yeah, forget all this head trauma stuff. Forget all the fighters thing. What about us fans? What, what about doing? us? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How many more beers have I drunk late at night that I wouldn't have drunk if it hadn't been for the UFC? So, uh, uh, But basically, mate, I've just been a huge combat sport fan for ages and uh, um, yeah I've, I've, I've followed the sport and I've grown with it so I started probably watching it way back about 99 year 2000 something like that and uh, like most of us I've been educated by uh, the wonderful man himself Joe Rogan and if anyone's going to link yeah. comedy and MMA together uh, that is that is the man that has, uh, has led the way basically. Let's talk a bit about Joe Rogan because he's definitely a guy I look up to as well. Um, just everything that he's done, uh, you know, from Fear Factor all the way to the UFC, the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, one of my favourite listens every single week. He, he's a genius, as I just called him there. For Joe Rogan, uh, I just want to kind of ask you, when you see a guy like Joe Rogan, uh, and this is this is how I feel about him, and I, I see that the, the way that he breaks down serious situations and he kind of brings... A, a positive light, which is something I've seen a lot of comedians do in, in every kind of walk of life. The way he brings a positive light to any situation is something I feel MMA needs a lot more of. We, we always see the doom and the gloom. We see everyone say, well, this means this and this means this. But every time you listen to Joe Rogan, it's like a calm rainbow, you know, just moving <laughs> over your head because the man is so, is so elegant. He's so astute with what he says. He's just a smart, smart guy. And I just want to kind of wonder if, if that's something for you that... It is a reason why you do look up to him. Uh, for, for me, I can't stress enough how important I think Joe Rogan has been to the to the uh, to the UFC, to MMA, uh, to the argument about it, this not just being human cockfight. I mean, it's like the perfect storm. That that man is is uh, well respected in his own fields for stand up comedy. He's a he's a high level martial artist himself. Uh, he knows the sports. He has genuinely educated a whole generation of, uh, of MMA, MMA fans. I've added another M in there. Um, <laughs> MMA fans, UFC fans. If you go and you stand in the crowd of a live event now, you'll hear little Joe Rogan quotes going around the, uh, uh, the, the fans around you as they explain to their mates what's going on. And I don't think it could be underestimated just how important he's been um, to the UFC, to MMA fans, to the argument of why this is the greatest sport on the planet. And uh, what scares the hell out of me, mate, and I want to get your thoughts on this, um, is it looks like in August, well, we know his deal's up in August, but he looks like he's loving doing these fight companion things. He looks like he's built his own little world. He's talked about how his comedy's improved since he's been able to put more time into it. I think we're going to lose Joe Rogan in August. What do you think? 
Yeah, it's it's been something that's kind of been rumoured. I mean, it was on his show the other week. He said that, well, definitely, as soon as Dana has nothing to do with the UFC, uh, that, that will be his, his final, final day with the, with the promotion. We've always kind of taken it as a joke from Joe Rogan because, you know, he's like, oh, man, I love it, but I hate the travel. I hate having to, you know, spend all this time, um, you know, to, to do the research and, and to do, do the pre-production stuff as well. Um, but for Joe Rogan, a guy... Who, as I said, the fight companion is so so tremendous. I know I know a lot of the people who follow other words are, are big fans of fight companion as well. As is anyone who has any inkling into how amazing MMA should be and is. Uh, fight companion is the next level of something that Joe Rogan has brought, and it's going to be a sad day when I, when we lose Joe Rogan without but question. Do you, do you think he's going, mate? Do you reckon he's going to? Because I've got this. I just think it's the. I think it's the perfect time for him. It's the worst time for us to leave because it feels like the the sport is taking another great leap. Uh, over the last six, twelve months, with all the drug testing, all that sort of stuff, uh, finally sort of settling. Uh, we're finding out what the real athletes uh, of the sport are like. But I just got this feeling that he's loving what he does, that he can have his own little world and his little um, with his best mates around him. Yeah. And the, the fight companion is brilliant. I, I love it. What I do is I watch the event uh, with normal commentary, and then I will uh, I'll use the fight companion for when I'm travelling around the country. And it's amazing because they barely break down the fights, except they hit the key moments when you see a big um, uh, I don't know a big combination, a big submission, or a big turning point in a fight. They jump in, so you know exactly where they are in your mind yeah. if you've watched the event. But you can just tell he's having so much fun. He is. <laughs> it's fun to listen to. But I, I, just, a, just as a selfish human being, I just don't want him to go. I don't want him to go either. And to answer your question, as I, I really alluded to that terribly, because I didn't <laughs> want to answer it, but I do feel that very soon, if it's not when the contract uh, runs out, that it will be over the next year or so, that we are losing... Joe Rogan, I mean, the, the UFC have got a lot of commentary teams at the minute. Uh, you know, you look at the likes of Florian and Annick, you've got Brian Stan there, Dan Hardy and John Gooden, who are doing a tremendous job uh, on EMEA events as well. I think that they've, they've expanded well from just having Goldie and, and Joe to doing all the commentary to having various teams, which is obviously something that the UFC wanted. Is it, For them, I think they'll look at it as less of a hit because we've been seeing Brian Stan especially uh, filling in for, for Joe sometimes and, and working these bigger events. Uh, but losing a guy like Joe Rogan, the insight that he brings to a show, not only on Fight Companion, but when you're listening to him on the main broadcast as well, I feel is irreplaceable because he brings everything to life. He brings every characteristic out tenfold more than when you're listening to a guy like Kenny Florian or Brian Stan. And I mean no disrespect to them, but there's only one Joe Rogan. There is only one Joe Rogan. I love Brian Stan as well. I will say that. I do love... I think yeah, he's, I'm I think, a big fan. I think he's superb. Superb at breaking down the fights. But when you're talking about the personality and that full package, uh, uh, got to love a bit of Rogan, mate. Got to love a bit of Rogan. I, I was going to talk about this a bit later on in the show, but we're talking about commentary right now. So I feel this is the perfect time to do it. For those that don't know... You've got a pretty sweet gig going on with ACB, the, the Russian promotion. You're doing commentary over there. Uh, I've had a listen of a couple of the shows, and I, I've got to say, Mr. Lacey, I am profoundly impressed. I feel you've been doing a really, really good job there. You've worked with Brad Pickett and, of course, Luke Barnett as well, two of the best fighters this country have ever produced. And I just want to kind of get your, your experiences on working with ACB and, and changing your role as from a presenter and as a stand-up comedian into a commentator. 
Uh, I'll be honest, mate. It's crazy as hell. Uh, it's one of these things. It's um, it's come around, and it's it, it's a pinch yourself moment every time I do it. If you haven't seen the ACB events, uh, they're absolute championship bakut uh, events. They are an organisation over in Russia, and they're just churning out events. They're, it's unbelievable. I think they've been going two years, and they're already on ACB 40. Um, and uh, we've watched the rise of. Uh, uh, Fighters from Russia, from Dazakhstan, uh, Kazakhstan, all that sort of stuff in the yeah. UFC. Anyone ending in of, you know, <laughs> a scary motherfucker. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. So um, you've watched that happen in the UFC. Well, I've been going over to um, uh, Russia, Georgia to do these events, uh, luckily with Brad Pickett and uh, Luke Barnett. And um, you just see the wealth of talent that they've got there. They have got some natural born killers uh, over there. And it's a scary prospect that they are growing this MMA scene and so quickly. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be sat there as well. Like when I went over to start with, um, it was I was so impressed with the quality of the production, so impressed with the fighters, um, how they put on a show. And they've got this, um, they've got a motto basically: less show, more fighting. They don't do the ring card girls. Um, they'll be upset about that. Uh, they <laughs> don't do the, they don't <laughs> do the ring card girls. They do very little uh, VTs in between. They basically just churn out the fights. So they'll have 15 fights on the card, and they just keep them rolling. So when you talk to the fighters. Um, uh, from Russia or from when they fly them in from America or the UK or anywhere else. One of the things that they say that they love about the events there is that it's, it's very much an MMA fans event. There's a good quality, high level fighting, well produced as far as the TV production, but there is just fight after fight after fight. And uh, I get to interview some of these uh, Russian fighters and I try and crack a few jokes, mate. And I'm going to be <laughs> honest, I don't think comedy in Russia goes down. <laughs> it's not my crowd, I'll be honest. I try it they, they they also they speak um so like they're, they're just the silent killers they only say a few words yeah. but whatever they say oh my goodness they are some scary human beings and uh, the, the other thing i've noticed about being in russia is they don't make their um in the hotels the lifts very big so when you're going from the first floor up to the eighth floor wherever you're staying and you've got to share it with uh, three basically um trained killers uh yeah it's a quite a scary prospect mate I can absolutely imagine that. I would not like to be in the lift with free flyweights, let alone free heavyweights. <laughs> so, um, you know, credit to you there uh, as well. I mean, it's, it's an absolutely amazing opportunity, and I'm so happy that uh, you, you've been able to do that. You know, for me, looking looking on and, uh, and watching you progress, man, it, it's so cool because you're oh, a guy. Cheers, mate. You know, you're a guy who, as I said, when we first, you know, we've we've spoken a lot, but we we first met in London, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah, UFC, yeah. Fight week. Um, had a, a, a real good chat there. And then Bama 25, I believe, was the next time that we got to work together uh, yeah. doing that MMA Mad Post show, which I thoroughly enjoyed, by the way. It's great, uh, mate. Good fun. Uh, but, you know, for you, man, like to, to get these opportunities so soon in the game for you, to go over to ACB and, as I said, to work with the likes of Brad Pickett, Luke Barnett, get to interview some of the top Russian fighters who, as you said, these guys, they're, they're, they're no joke. This may not be the UFC, but there's some, you know, a plethora of amazing talent over there. What, what does it mean to you to, to be able to do that? Oh, mate, it's genuinely a pinch yourself moment. There's some weird shit happens, though, as well. <laughs> I'll tell you this. First one I got over to do that, I was doing it with uh, Luke Barnett, and we both arrived in the airport roughly, so we're in Georgia for the first one, yeah. so we uh, uh, arrived roughly about the same time, it's about three in the morning, uh, Georgian time, uh, and we're waiting for uh, what we think is a taxi, and I don't know how they run the stuff over in Georgia, but basically a police officer comes up to us, uh, and we think, 
uh, what, just going to ask us some questions or whatever else. They had arranged for us to be picked up in a police car to start with. So my first experience of uh, meeting wow. Barnett was being bundled into the back of a police car in Georgia. And I'm not talking a fancy police car. We're talking like some old people that they, uh, they've, uh, God knows where they bought it from, how or kept it going and then we get to the hotel at about four in the morning absolutely exhausted we've chatted first time we've met we've spoken a few times before and they said um uh, we made a bit of a mistake we haven't got a room for you <laughs> four, four in the morning we're oh in my. Georgia. we haven't got any contact details for anyone we've been dropped off by the police we've got no uh, no room so we think all right we'll just we'll, we'll do the man thing we'll go to the gym at four in the morning they won't let us in the gym uh, so then we start uh, just chatting away, really good uh, chats with Luke. We had to wait for the weigh-ins, which was at 12 o'clock the next day. So we sat up all the way through the night, and God bless Luke, he's a funny man. We uh, we clicked on computer games and uh, geeky crap like that. Um, finished watching the weigh-ins, and we thought, right, got to have a room ready for us now. So we get down to the uh, reception, we say, um, we're ready for our room. And they said, yeah, no problem, apart from we've only got a room with a double bed. Oh, so so yeah. my first my first, <laughs> my first, first day, stroke night with Luke Barnett, was sitting up, talking all the way through the night with him uh, about stuff that we really connected with. And then by the end of it, we were sharing a bed. And I did try and get an Instagram uh, picture. I said, mate, can I just take a picture of me and you in bed together? And he gave me a look. He didn't say a word. Just gave me a look that basically told me that that phone would be coming out of one of my orifices <laughs> if anything went online with me and Luke Barnett sharing a bed. And I shared a room with Brad Pickett, left my phone alone in the bathroom for uh, just one one little 10 minute session, got home to show my wife <laughs> pictures of what I'd been doing over at um, ACB over in Russia. And there, lo and behold, were eight pictures of Brad Pickett's bollocks lit in various different ways <laughs> for various different angles. Um, so, yeah, the byproduct of me doing this crazy, amazing gig with ACB uh, and working with these uh, these fighters is, is I've actually spent the night in bed with a, a Venator middleweight champion. And now my screensaver is Brad Pickett's bollocks. So there you go. I think the question that everyone's mind, Brian, is, is did you top and tail? <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. Uh, I would. I will let you know this. Uh, Luke is a spooner. That is all I was saying. <laughs> Luke is Luke, a spooner. There we go. That's it. The funniest thing was because I told my wife. I said, "Okay, I've only met Luke that day. That's the first time I had spoken to him." So I told my wife, and she just went, "What about your rogue leg? What about your rogue leg?" <laughs> so I did have to warn Luke that my leg does travel at night, and please don't knock me out if I uh, if it creeps onto his side of the bed. But no, it, it was a it was a, a perfectly considerate lover. That's all I'll leave it at, mate. All right. Are we changing it from big slow to big spoon? <laughs> There's nothing slow about that, mate. There's nothing slow about that, man. There we go. And also, I'd like to actually point out that I definitely believe the Brad Pickett story because I watched an interview from Woe TV the other day and Brad Pickett's arse was all over that. So <laughs> I, I can empathise with you there about having Brad Pickett's ball sack on your phone. <laughs> yes, mate. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful thing, or two things, I should say. Talking about Brad... Of course, we'll get off the subject of ball sacks because I'm not sure this is a show where people want to hear about that. But, you know, on the subject of MMA anyway, uh, the, the, the guy in Brad Pickett, who we are, we've just been talking about, is the guy that you've been working under at Wim to Warrior. As I said, you know, you're going to be fighting this weekend. It's a Wim to Warrior final. You've been changed from a wimp to a warrior, supposedly, man. And I just really want to kind of ask you, like, what was it that made you, in your deranged mind gave you the idea that you wanted to go through this crazy program and become a, a man who had very little mixed martial arts experience into, as you've described it, a full-trained killer of yourself. 
<laughs> well, I'll explain what, what, the, what the actual programme is, because it is Brad Pickett's fault that I'm doing it. So uh, uh, basically, there's a series in Australia called Wimpy Warrior. It's done four years or four seasons down there. Uh, and they take normal human beings. They train them for six months, use a strength and conditioning programme, a mixed martial arts programme. And on the end of it, the, uh, uh, the, the, the journey that they make, they go from Wimp. And once they step into the cage and put all the skills that they've learned um, on, on the line, they become these warriors. Uh, so to start with, it looks like a um, uh, something that for me, I mean, it's I've, I've all I'm 37, mate. I'm too old, so this is <laughs> genuinely like a proper midlife crisis. My wife, <laughs> no call that, an MMA guy. <laughs> taken up golf i've not done any of that stupid uh, crap like that parachute jump none of that no brad pickett tweeted that they were doing tryouts for this thing on the wednesday and i had actually pitched an idea similar to a few tv companies because i being a comedian it's the best job in the world it's amazing yeah. i love it but it's got some unhealthy traps that come with it they get give you free beer late nights <laughs> um horrible service station food when you shouldn't be eating it um so basically i got big i got fat um, uh, from just being a stand-up comic and not doing any sport for about three, four years. This thing popped up with, uh, with Brad, and I had pitched a similar thing to some TV companies, but it was, it was, it was there, the full package. It was there. I'd, I'd heard of it. I'd seen it before uh, on, on YouTube, and I thought, I'll just give the tryouts a go. So on the Wednesday, I signed up. On the Saturday, I did the tryouts, and I learned that I am the unhealthiest person <laughs> I have ever met in my life because um, they tried to, they do try and break you in the tryouts but I got through it I got selected for the process I've been training for six months uh, under uh, uh, Lee Isla is the head coach Joe Bennett's my team coach uh, Brad Pickett has been sort of the guest coach coming in and doing some sessions with us and it has been the most unbelievable the hardest the most grueling mentally physical six months of my life yeah. and it ends on Sunday when we step into the cage and I fight a fireman from Chelsea what have they done they've matched me up a fat comic uh, who does dick, <laughs> dick jokes with a, basically a superhero somebody who saves lives in his spare time and as his job uh and is a very fit human being um so um yeah it all comes to an end on saturday at the women's warrior finale at your call mate it's uh, it's crazy yeah and your call tremendous venue was there for warrior fight series six uh deep in boxing history and you're going to be there as well to compete uh please uh for those listening who are you're interested in going down to women's warrior uh, you know, go go give Brian some support, man. He's been doing this for six months. It's something that I know myself and a lot of our media colleagues are, have really admired, Brian, that, that you've done this. And um, <laughs> honestly, mate, it takes balls, or it takes two of Brad, Brad Pickett's balls, to be honest, uh, to do something like that, um, you know, from someone who has no previous experience to go in and do that six-month training cramp. So honestly, man, um, wish you the best of luck with that. Um, this weekend in your call. It's crazy, man. I've got to say as well that the people I'm doing it with, because there's 30 other human beings that have got in there, and the, the most amazing thing, this is the reason that I wanted to uh, uh, get into MMA, that, that what martial arts does for people, what my, how martial arts can affect your life in a positive way. Everybody that's come, I mean, I'm a stand-up comic. Like I said, there's a fireman there. Everyone's come from different backgrounds. There's single mothers. Uh, there's uh, people that work in the NHS. There's teachers. There's all sorts of people from yeah. all sorts of backgrounds. All their 
there for different reasons. Some just to get into the sport. Some because they uh, think they, they could do something with the sport. Other people getting through horrific things that have happened in their lives and to watch these people change not just physically like lose a load of weight and uh, uh, just look so healthy fit and amazing but also mentally to see what it's done for those people over this six months it's a crazy thing it's an individual sport MMA but uh, we've been split into two teams and it has been one of the most stupidly bonding experiences of my life, <laughs> getting up at 4.30 every morning after getting back from a gig at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, driving 45 minutes to Feltham, going into a, an industrial estate where I climb into a, 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 a what is pretty much a spit and sawdust gym and getting, <laughs> getting punched in the face at 6 in the morning. It's one of the best uh, bonding experiences I've ever had in my life. And there'll be people that, first of all, I've, I've, I've grown and looked, looked up to through this experience, just watching how they've used their reasons for being there to get them through this six months. But there's people there that will genuinely be my friends uh, for the rest of my life. And it's, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. I'm going to be honest, I also cannot wait for this shit to be over because I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been out, I haven't had a beer, I haven't seen my friends. I've basically disappeared off the planet, even to my wife and my, my child they've, they've, uh, they've taken up a lot of slack um, but I will say this it is one of the, uh, the most amazing experiences uh, and I would recommend it to anyone if you think and they're going to do a season two as well if you think it's something you might be interested in if you think that sounds like it could help me through whatever I'm doing that could be the turning point uh, check it out at wimp to warrior or go to wimp to warriorcom wimp to warrior UK um, stunning stunning series yeah, and I, I'm really, you know, kind of, you know, taking a seat back. I've been hearing the stories from you and, and over, you know, over the six-month period. I mean, when I saw you at Bama, you looked in really good shape. And we were all talking about takeaways and you were talking about eating apples. So <laughs> that, I think that in itself can kind of show down how, how serious that you're taking this, which is, you know, which is so tremendous to see, man. Because, you know, as you said, all these people sharing stories, yourself a comic, you're going up against a firefighter. We're having all these people bonded by the sport of MMA. And when we have all this bad press in the sport of MMA, I think this is something that people often overlook, is the way that MMA brings people together. And it's not just through people's shared belief of, hey, we're watching some of the best fighters in the world go at it in the UFC. It's not just from people who go to a gym together and who train, but it's people who, who want to bring together who they are and what they are, and to change themselves and using MMA as that catalyst. Would you agree with that, Brian? Oh, mate, absolutely. It's also it's, it's a really uh, crazy thing. Like there's that, there's that old saying, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and uh, figure out what you want to do or figure out who you are or if you like the person that's staring back. Something about putting yourself in the most uncomfortable position, somewhere where you can never have pictured yourself being. Well, and for me, that was the strength and conditioning. Coming off the back of no uh, fitness uh, background whatsoever, zero martial arts experience a terrible lifestyle as a comedian uh <laughs> stepping into that fitness gym and trying to uh, do the, the sort of strength and conditioning you need uh to be fit enough to do uh three four minute rounds um of hard grappling sparring or whatever else that for me was where you don't you're not looking at yourself in the mirror you, you genuinely look deep into your soul and uh you find out i've answered a lot of questions about myself um, uh, it, during this process, and uh, and to do that, to be able, and that, this is, this will go whether you go to do Wimp to Warrior or you go to join your local gym, you take up jiu-jitsu you take up boxing, um, any form of martial arts. It is a wonderful space, not just to uh, uh, release.
release that aggression to build your, your fitness up. But inside, mate, you uh, and it sounds all like some proper hippie shit, but you, um, you, you answer a lot of questions and it gives you a, a wonderful perspective. We train at 6 a.m. Yeah. in the morning till 8 a.m. and it could be any time of the day. And when you leave the gym, whatever stresses you had beforehand, um, you, uh, yeah, you, you, you can take them on. It's not a stress anymore. It helps you with all sorts of aspects of your life. And um, I'm going to stop now because I'm welling up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the, the final the final hurdle is almost upon us on in Sunday for your fight. Were there any goals that you kind of set at the beginning of the six month process? You went by the time this this series is up, by the time the six months of training has been complete, I want to have either this mindset or I want to have achieved this. Um, physically, it was to get to the point where uh, I could get through the the strength and conditioning sessions and. Uh, uh, get over that bit of being so unfit, so unhealthy. Basically, turn back the clock, undo all the, the stupid shit I've done when I was younger, and uh, uh, and the stuff that I was falling into the traps of with the uh, with the comedy. Um, yeah. But as it goes on, it's it's weird as hell, mate, because it's not natural. It is genuinely not natural to know that in six months' time you will be fighting. It's not like it's some one of the coaches, Charlie, explained it quite well. He said, in caveman days, if your village got attacked, you would just fight back. There's something weird about knowing having that cloud over yeah. you that in six months time although like, you're going to get in a cage in front of your friends and your family in basically your pants mate <laughs> uh, uh, and, and this was the other funny thing I say I've got over the physical side we did a picture or somebody snapped a picture of us with uh, four, th- three other uh, uh, Wimp to Warrior three other blokes and uh, we were all topless we just finished our, our, our sparring session and they took a picture and they look ripped as hell mate like six months they are absolutely like the muscles on muscles and then yeah. you, scan to, you scan to my body and I looked like so I don't look like a martial arts body I look like the body of a bloke who could probably know how to fix your alternator <laughs> and is a disappointing lover but um but, but, but that aside what I was saying the Wayne Rooney look basically <laughs> thanks a lot mate that's exactly that's exactly right <laughs> but the uh, but the uh the thing with the fight is like when I first started it was a real warrior of mine like how would yeah. I perform um and friends and family being there who would I be fighting because there's some scary people there. like there's yeah, firefighters there's endurance athletes there's people on crossfit I'm coming from nothing and what happened over the six months six months is actually that has disappeared like they do say you get faith in your training and, and what you've put in and there's loads of stuff i'm worried about whether i'll be ready technically physically fit wise what will happen that crazy punch that you could be done in in 10 seconds but yeah. i've stopped worrying about it now i'm not losing any sleep over the fight i'm excited about sunday and just to feel that mind switch where uh, it was something that i genuinely was scared of to start with to now something that i'm looking forward to uh even though I know from the outside, every all my family and friends, I tell what I'm doing. They have they give me this look like, what is wrong with you? Why are you putting yourself yeah. through this? Um, but for me, that journey, that journey from uh, uh, total fear about the fight to now looking forward to it, and whatever will happen will happen, and uh, just can't wait to get it on now, mate. And that's an amazing thing, man, because I feel that so many people who watch MMA neutrally who have no you know experience in combat sport they go how do these guys stand there and hit each other in the face how do they they put this this physical pain upon each other 
Yeah, without a doubt. And it's also, like, with that, it's people finding their passion as well. That yeah. is it. Uh, one thing I've learned from this, which has been massively beneficial from the, the sort of journalist side and the media side, is what these athletes put themselves through, physically what it takes, uh, right down from uh, the, the actual, just the bare bones of getting in shape for a fight, right up to the mental side um, of like overcoming injuries or um, not yeah. knowing what's going Just that aspect of seeing how hard it is. And we're doing it on the like the lowest level yeah um, i mean God, that's <laughs> don't all, knock yourself man no that's all respect to it but <laughs> yeah. we are we're, we're jumping in there from six months but when you look at uh, lifers martial artists that have been doing it since they were five six seven years old and they've dedicated themselves to to a sport or to to this and it's not glamorous mate yeah it's really not when you really get a glimpse of the other side the sacrifices that the, the, the amateur fighters that are trying to work their way to pros the uh, the sacrifices they make by not being able to go out and uh, hang out with their mates have a few beers no, having to have a job alongside yeah. doing this this is where you see true passion this is where the, the ones that really want it and it is a, a culmination of luck timing place all that sort of stuff but passion and drive uh, is the thing that sets those athletes apart and that is what drew me to the sport I used to watch football this blew me away as well um, I, I, I got my gig cancelled on Saturday night and I was like oh, what the hell is going on so I, tried to, I emailed out to try and get another gig and a load of promoters came back saying did you not know that it was England it's England's first game on Saturday and I had, I had no idea it was yeah. the Euros because I've lost I, I'm, I used to love sport I had a uh, I say I could say football um, I used to love uh, football but I'm a Huddersfield Town fan so that's a little bit weird explains uh, itself yeah exactly <laughs> but you know I used to used to really love that sport and yeah. now I've completely gone off it because you look at these the, the players there and what they do and how much they get paid and how they treat their, their clubs and their fans and all that sort of stuff and then you look at athletes like martial artists that um, dedicate themselves there's not much reward there's a one of one percent um one percent of one percent is the ones that make the huge amount of money the uh, the yeah. big profile get the shots whereas underneath that right from grassroots all the way up from club level all the way through to uh, uh regional scenes uh into the ufc and and beyond um that is where you see the dedication and that is where martial arts shines for me and that is something yeah. that hasn't been lost in this and it's something that's been truly proven to me I, I, I hadn't been a member of a gym I hadn't trained martial arts before hadn't trained MMA but meeting people that have dedicated their lives to it on whatever level they are better people for it it's, uh, and that is that is the beauty of the sport that we uh, we love and we cover and I think that's that's the bit that if we could find a couple of really good role models that can also capture the hearts of the, the media and the press as well that'll help us get that word out there yeah it is special it's very special i don't think there's any other way to describe it i mean you look at it now euros are, are currently on television england drew 1-1 with russia it was a tough game for england but everyone's talking about it and michael bisping just two weeks ago became the first british born world champion in the ufc when he defeated luke rockhold at ufc 199 and there was not that much coverage. I, I was I was genuinely expecting a lot more coverage, uh, but th there wasn't. I mean, there was some small little write-ups on Sky Sports and BBC, but it was nothing prolific. And I kind of uh, sat there and I was like, what do we need to do as a country to, to change people's thought process on mixed martial arts? Because we see, with, when it's with football, when England are playing even a friendly, the world... The, the UK goes into shutdown. Everyone's watch. Everyone's gone down to the pub to to watch England play and so on and so forth. In in Ireland, when Conor McGregor fought Jose Aldo for that world title, 
Ireland went into shutdown. It was a monumental moment in their history. And then we had Michael Bisping, who did something that a lot of people, uh, myself included, were unsure about how long it would be until we would get our very own English-born champion. And he went and did it, and it was kind of disappointing to see the after-effects from that. Oh, mate, it was uh, DJ Mikey B from Clitheroe. DJ, <laughs> DJ Mikey B used to go around all the northern clubs doing his house music, and he grew yeah. Gone through and he's been his evolution through the sport, the journey he's taken uh, from the the ultimate fighter being hated uh, to growing into one of the uh, well, quite rightly now the UK's most successful uh, MMA fighter. Um, it's been unbelievable, and the fact that there's no heat off the back of it, the fact that there's very little press, uh, just it wakes you up as as somebody who's a hardcore fan who lives in the yeah. bubble to exactly where the sport really is. Because I, I, I see it sometimes, because I'm, I'm alongside the Wimpy Warrior stuff, I'm doing my gigs and I'm trying to crowbar in material about um, the journey that I'm going on. And sometimes I've asked, and I've stopped doing it now because it's depressing. Uh, I've got a bit on uh, MMA, a bit on... Um, uh, or as to get their ears up, I call it cage fighting. Uh, has anyone heard of it? I'll ask the audience who watches mixed martial arts, who watches cage fighting. Yeah, it depresses me. I'll be in a room uh, with like 200, 300 people, and maybe four hands will go up if yeah. I'm lucky. And that for me, if that is a survey of this country, it shows how far the sport has still got to go. But having a champion, having Bisping uh, with that um, wonderful way he has with the press, the wonderful way he can sell fights, um, he is in a position to hopefully start spearheading uh, the next generation, the next step. We haven't got a Conor McGregor. He isn't that. There's only yeah. one Conor McGregor. Of course. But, but just having that champion, uh, and I was chuffed to bits that he got it. Oh, I mean, me it was, too. Uh, uh, I thought, I, I, I'll be honest, I'd written him off two weeks' notice, rock old, looking like the specimen he was. Um, dealt with him with one arm the last time, basically. Uh, but for Bisping to go in there to do what he did, I was absolutely over the moon and although it didn't get the heat now I'm hoping it will plant the seeds um, that we can be a big um, player on the on, on the world martial arts scene uh, and uh, hopefully off the back of that in five years time somebody who's been inspired by Bisping that's coming through the, uh, the the ranks now up through the grassroots that'll be the generation of people that'll help put uh, yeah. mixed martial arts on the map for the UK. No I, I undoubtedly agree it's you know it's sometimes when you look at it it's kind of I wouldn't say depressing, but it's it's an eye opener to see. It's, de it's depressing, mate. Say yeah, it. it's, okay, it's, it is. It's depressing. It's goddamn depressing. <laughs> I've got I've got about thirty minutes of material on mixed martial arts that I cannot use because there's only four people in the audience <laughs> that will have. Which, if you've been to some of my gigs, they will say that's quite a high hit rate for me. But that's a uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's genuinely depressing, yeah. mate. And it, pr it just proves the bubble we live in. It's a it wonderful is. sport, and I, I've I've managed to convert. I've watched it. It's a lonely thing being a, an MMA fan. I've watched for God knows. Uh, Nearly six, yeah, 16 years, 17 years I've watched the sport for, and most of those years have been me on my own, uh, either watching it on VHS to start with, all the way through to being able to Sky Plus it uh, and watch it late at night through BT Sports or whatever other media. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, through 16, 17 years, I've got like six really close lad mates, and I've only converted one of them into being a uh, an MMA fan, and that's that's heartbreaking, mate. It is. I mean, for me, uh, when I was at university, um, everyone was like, hey, you know, Dre's the guy that does the MMA stuff. But it was always very casual. But when Conor McGregor fought, 
it was crazy, man. They were like, oh, we're staying up to watch Conor McGregor. I'm like, you're asking me this? Of course I'm staying up to watch Conor McGregor. But like the whole house, all six of my housemates would like, they'd wake up at, at four in the morning and say, oh, come, come, come in the living room. And we'd all watch Conor McGregor. No one else would they do that for. Not even Ronda. No, not even when a Michael Bisping or a Tom Breeze from this country was fighting. They didn't care. But when Conor was fighting, man, I, I was so dumbfounded by like, wow, these guys really care. Like, they care that much about Conor McGregor that they'll wake up at 4 a.m. after they've been on the lash. Now, that means a lot when you're a uni student. <laughs> so, I think, of course, I'd agree in this country. We're not at that point yet. But it's nice to see, though, that around the UK, in a guy like Conor McGregor, we do have a guy who is starting to change the way we think about the sport, which I, I think is, is such a tremendous thing. Um, I'll tell you this as well. I was, when I was with Luke Barnett in, um, in Russia, he said a sentence which I... Um, which is quite a scary one. He was talking to his wife and she said, they were talking about um, George St. Pierre coming back and she yeah. said, there are fans now that um, will not know who George St. Pierre is because yeah. Conor McGregor came, George St. Pierre has been gone since 2013, I think it is November or October, something like that. And Conor McGregor came just after that. The fans he's brought on board, which is a huge amount of eyes very, very on the sport, really will not know who George St. Pierre is or why he's such a big deal. How, how crazy is that to think of? In this generation of uh, MMA fans, there is a chunk of MMA fans who really don't understand how special George St. Pierre was or the fact that he might come back is, is a big thing. It's quite sad, actually, because everything that GSP did, uh, he was a, the kind of the guy in an era where the UFC was struggling to find a, a next big replacement for a guy like Chuck Liddell or a guy like Tito Ortiz. And then... He came along, and of course we had uh, you know BJ Penn as well. But GSP, especially in Canada, what he did for the sport were, will never be you know replicated in that part of the world. And to have people, of course, who are now as as my housemates would say, or as as Luke Barnett would say, Conor McGregor casual fans who will watch the sport to to follow Conor McGregor and not know who one of the founding father is a guy who if MMA had a Mount Rushmore I'd put his face up there a GSP <laughs> it, it, it's really crazy to think man and that's why I've always been a big advocate for GSP to come back but his heart's never been in it the reasons of, with the drug testing of course as well um, but yeah, do you, it, do you want him to come back? Do you really want him? I to do. Come? I, no, I, 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 I genuinely I, do. I think it's a special thing if he, if he does. But I think he just like that, that thing that he left at the perfect time. I think him coming back now, and he is going to come back. He, he will be back. Let's face it. I, yeah. I, I'm predicting Madison Square Garden. Is it October or September um, yeah, for that card? Totally, yeah. I I I think he'll be back for Madison Square Garden. But I'd love um, to see that. I yeah, would I, I would, I would, I would still watch. I'd be very excited, but I just think he left at the perfect time, and all that can happen now, uh, not not all that can happen. That is very cynical. But um, if it goes wrong, if it's a bad uh, comeback, then that just tarnishes yeah. what a what a perfect legacy uh, he had. Even if you argue about that last Johnny Hendricks fight, whether he won it or lost it, when you look back at the record books, he won that fight, and that is the legacy he left. At, and to come back, that that for me, I think I think he's risking much more than he could gain, uh, apart from money, obviously. Yeah. I think he left at the right time but the wrong place. I feel that that fight against Johnny Hendricks, which, again, a lot of people dispute about who won that, you look at the face of GSP after that fight, <laughs> the bruises, the blood, and that's everyone's last, lasting image uh, of George, George St. Pierre. 
do you, you know, for a guy who me and you know, who me and you have followed and have said that this guy's given so much to the sport, for him to end on that note, although it was, again, he got the win, it was a perfect timing, I just felt like deep down it wasn't, if you know what I mean. Like, because the G GSP I know and love was a guy that could grind out anybody. He would absolutely make you look like a second-rate mixed martial artist the way that he would handle you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, and he, he only started taking damage in the last few fights. If you yes. look at the, the real damage he took, the Carlos Condit fight as well, you talked about uh, that was the hardest he'd been hit. And uh, the Hendricks battles, obviously, as well. They, they He came out, they looked like he'd taken a serious beating. So, um yeah, I mean that's that's that is the image we have. But when you look back at the record books, it just just tells us uh, the story that GSP left at that right time, and it's yeah. what he comes back for because he said, I don't know if he's going to hang up, go for the um, the welterweight title. I know he's uh, he's good mates with Rory McDonald, so I don't know if he'd want to tread on those toes. But what else has he come back for? The super fight between him and Anderson Silva isn't really on the table anymore. We'd still watch it, but it's no longer the super fight it was. Um, they've talked to I, I don't know I honestly couldn't picture the perfect fight for him to come back and, yeah. uh, uh, and do that would, that would do him uh, justice, any yeah. good yeah and justice exactly right no I definitely agree would you entertain this idea for an example the man who's coming back at UFC 200 the beast incarnate mate I've Brock just got to Lesnar. say I've got to say beautiful link by the yeah. way I've just stomped all over it but the way you've switched from that to that beautiful that's why you do what you do mate respect <laughs> Uh, thank you, man. Thank you. I mean, as we say, this, this, you know, UFC 200 is massive and Brock Lesnar is coming back for one fight and one fight only. Would you entertain that idea for GSP? <laughs> GSP and Brock Lesnar? I would watch that without a doubt. Uh, not that fight, but would you, ent <laughs> would you entertain the idea of a GSP coming back for one fight? I mean, I'd love to see GSP Brock Lesnar. I feel it may be slightly unfair. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I of course, I'd entertain. Of course, I'd watch it. Of course, I would be sucked into all the hype around it. Uh, there's no way I wouldn't be riding that train and glued to it um, firmly to see exactly what happened and uh, uh, and exactly how it turned out. But it's, for me, it's still the question: What is the fight? What does he come yeah. back for? Unless it's um, unless it is the belt, unless it's him and Robbie Lawler. Um, or who, if yeah, if, or Tyron Woodley, if him and Tyron Woodley would be a, a terrible fight, I've got a feeling. Um, but if it's him and Robbie Law, that that would be intriguing for the belt to come back and to jump in at that level straight away uh, would be an exciting fight to watch. And of course, I'd, I'd entertain it. Of course, I would be there. But deep down in my heart, do I want it to happen? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say no. I'd rather he, he he left the sport where it was. I know what you're going to say. Because he's changed. <laughs> go, go on. What are you going to say? Go on. Do, do the Darren Brown thing. Go. Are you are you going to do the Conor McGregor? No, mate, I wasn't. Oh, no. no. Spidey I will never make it as, <laughs> as a mind reader. There you go. Your, your spidey senses are off. No, I haven't got a fight. That's the thing. I cannot pick. And even the yeah. Conor McGregor one, it's not a fight. If it's uh, not, any, no. any true MMA fans know that we've seen what Diaz did to McGregor on the yeah. ground. I, I'm... I'm sorry, but George St. Pierre is such a level above the rest of the, the, the key Without to his question. game. Yeah. Um, the, 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 he got called boring in a number, but to be able to dominate and put the fights in his world at ease um, is one of the most unbelievably uh, dominant champions uh, the UFC has ever seen, MMA has ever seen. Um, so I, it's just not a fight. It really isn't. Yeah. I just I see a lot of mouthy stuff happening in the first couple of rounds and then GSP either grinding it out on top or, or actually finishing Conor McGregor. So um, um, that, that for me doesn't excite me. I think it's more exciting if he leaves the mystique and leaves us asking the yeah. questions and, and, and just doesn't come back, mate.
Well, me and Brian, of course, can't come up with a definitive answer who we feel that George St. Pierre should fight if and when he returns to the Octagon. Please, guys, if you have a, a theory about who you'd like to see George St. Pierre fight when he comes back to the UFC, drop us a tweet at War of Words Pod, at Brian Lacey Comic, or of course at Andre M. Giorgio. Let us know what you think. Should GSP come back? And if so, who should he face? I, I, I don't know. Brian doesn't know. Somebody fill us in because we just have no idea. In fact, just Joe Silver, just text us, Joe. Just tell us exactly what the plan is, mate. That would do. Tell us the plan. Let us know. And what? Come on, let's get back onto this one though. The Brock Lesnar, mate. Now, when you heard that news, when you uh, did you what? Did you find out via the Ariel Hawani tweet, or did you find out via the promo during UFC 199? Oh, are we allowed to talk about that? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> yes, I, I found out through the the Ariel Hawani tweet. Um, and in the UK anyway, uh, BT Sport went to an ad break when that promo went out, so I missed that. Uh, so I saw everyone on Twitter like, oh my God, bro, Lesnar, can you see me now kind of shit? And then I'm like, what? What the fuck did we miss? And then obviously the UFC tweeted it out. Very nice promo, by the way. But, awesome. But, but yeah, I, I found out during um, Ariel Hawani's tweet. How about yourself? Uh, I found out off the back of the event. So yeah, basically I watched it the day after... Um, and um, I won't let you know how I was watching it, but let's just say that there was no ad break on the version I was watching. <laughs> and uh, and it, it, yeah, it came up with that promo. And yeah. I was uh, honestly, first of all, the promo is awesome. But then yes. that bit at the end was a proper WTF uh, moment for me because uh, uh, it's clever. It's just clever what the it UFC was. have done. It it's was. not, it's, it's crazy. Like there's no need for, uh, for Brock Lesnar to come back, but, the Conor McGregor stuff happened, him coming off UFC 200. And the UFC have just shown that if one thing doesn't happen, they have got aces for days up their sleeves. Oh, so uh, um, respect to them for getting him back in. My favourite thing about the Brock Lesnar story is the fact that Mark Hunt has got that fight. The fight that will have more eyes on it than any of the championship fights on that card. Uh, Mark Hunt, the, the, the warrior that he is, gets that, um, gets that light at last. I feel so sorry for Misha Tate and Daniel Cormier, uh, the the headliners. And, and Aldo, and Edgar, there's an interim Aldo, title Edgar. there, but mate, this is crazy. Yeah. Three titles on the line, and uh, and they are literally being sitting in the shadows of this absolutely, let's be honest, roided up monster <laughs> that yeah. is Brock it's, it's larger than life, this fight, if that's one way that we can explain <laughs> it. Um, we're seeing Brock Lesnar going up against the Samoan Mark Hunt, there's probably a WWE storyline we can throw in here somewhere. Um, yeah. But, you know, Brock Lesnar's coming back and he's going to face one of the hardest-hitting heavyweights in the world. This man, Mark Hunt, he, he, he loves the walk-away knockout. That's the only way we can explain it. If he has an opportunity to walk in there, punch you, walk away, go eat some donuts, he'll do that. And to go up against a guy in Brock Lesnar, his first fight back, after all these years he's been, he's been back in the World Wrestling Entertainment... Uh, I don't know, man. What, what what do you think about this as a first fight back for Brock? Because when I first heard it announced, I, I was really kind of iffy about the UFC's matchmaking process. Um, I, I, fair respect to Brock Lesnar coming back and uh, uh, and taking on Mark Hunt, um, his first opponent back for such a long time out. Yeah. But I think it is it is like he he describes it as that classic striker versus wrestler. And basically, what's going to happen is I think Brock Lesnar is going to try and Heath Herring. Uh, Mark Hunt and Mark Hunt is going to try and catch Brock Lesnar coming in um, and we're either going to see Brock Lesnar on top of uh, Mark Hunt which could either be very quick ending or three rounds of that or we're yeah. going to see um, Mark Hunt 
whose takedown defense has actually improved a little bit. Wasn't great with the Stipe Miocic fight. In fact, he was horrific. Um, oh, terrible. But, yes. but he, he looked very out of shape. Since then, he's gone to uh, top team Phuket, I think, and trained there. And he's been doing some other stuff as well. He looks physically good. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a proper fight, mate. They could have given him Frank Mir again, which... Um, would be an easy fight to sell. Loads of story behind it. Loads of hype. And actually, I think Brock Lesnar physically is a, is a monster for Frank Mir to deal with. Whereas this asks a lot more questions and uh, um, not just to do with the drug testing issues in yeah. and around it, but the uh, the matchup itself. I think it's it's a brave bit of matchmaking because this could be. This is that they've spent a lot of money on this. You can see by Brock Lesnar's smile how much money they have paid him to come back out oh, of, uh, yeah. across and however they've worked that with the with the wwe as well he is earning some serious cash uh, for is. this and um his chin's going to be on the line against mark hunt so uh and like people are like i've spoken to some people and they're like don't care brock's coming back some people are dubious about the matchup but there isn't there's something wonderful i still get tingles up my spine when you watch brock lesnar face off in the center of the octagon against someone i remember the randy couture one and i looked at these two human beings that looked like they were from different planets <laughs> facing each other yeah. it just it just excites me to see that that horrifically scary human being back yes. in the octagon he's a specimen uh, yeah a specimen against a, a legend of the sport and no 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 underestimating those words an absolute legend in the sport somebody who was hand who got off to be paid out of their contract who stayed there and fought and worked his way back up into uh, uh into a really respectable place in that uh, that ufc heavyweight division um so yeah he's back and uh I'm 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 happy, mate. I will say it unashamedly. I am I am so impressed with the UFC pulling this out, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm happy with the matchup as well. Well, I mean, Mark Hunt's last three opponents: Frank Mir, Bigfoot Silver, Stipe Miocic, very top level. Brock's had a lot of time out. I want to kind of get your thoughts on this finally at the the end of the show. Now, uh, it's it's been absolutely tremendous chatting with you, Brian. But Cheers, the UFC, buddy. the UFC 200 upon us almost, and Brock Lesnar is coming back. In the world where we've unfortunately recently lost the, the late, great Kimbo Slice, um, who w was very sad to hear that, of course, uh, another man who was a marvel in his own right, a, a pay-per-view star, a big seller, TV ratings galore for Kimbo Slice whenever he fought in MMA. And the same can be said about Brock Lesnar, about these guys who are larger-than-life characters. They may not necessarily be the best fighters, like, for example, a Mark Hunt, is against the likes of Brock Lesnar, but what they bring is so much more, and I think that's really why the UFC, as you say, they must have paid over the odds to get Brock Lesnar back to make this UFC 200 feel special, and to me it does feel special, it does, when you have this character like a Brock Lesnar who's going to be standing in that octagon once again to go up against a man in Mark Hunt, where I feel that can be probably the most violent fight of the night. And when you've got guys on the card like John Jones and Jose Aldo, that is a very big statement. Uh, yeah, well, you, you sort of touched on it there. There's certain people in the sport that have, uh, have, have been transitional characters, and the Brock era in uh, the UFC was one of the most unbelievable um, yes. out there. It was a real 
real high point for the heavyweight division, which has never really recovered. It's not, uh, no one's been able to hold on to the title for very long. Yeah. Um, it, there's not been any standout stars. There's been the drug issues around the people who we thought, like Alistair Overeem, who th- we thought were going to be the next big things. Cain Velasquez has never uh, really claimed that mantle that um, Joe Rogan has given him, where he reckons he's the, the greatest heavyweight, um, <laughs> if he can stay fit, that is. Yeah. Uh, Kimbo Slice as well. You look at the eyes he brings on the sport. And that's what, that's what matters. We talked about the, um, the, the, the Bisping thing and, and trying to grow it and grow people's awareness, get people involved. It takes people, characters, personalities like that um, to do it. And there's something special. You cannot make these people. They, they are one in a million. Your Conor McGregor's, your yes. Ronda Rousey's, your John Jones's, your Brock Lesnar's. That era for the UFC was that is UFC 100 is their bit still their biggest ever pay-per-view event and the fact 100 pay-per-views later Brock Lesnar is back and they're going to smash the record with this it sounds like well first of all they've got all the title fights they've got Jones on there they've got Cormier uh, Edgar Aldo so exciting Tate versus Nunes it looks like they're going to squeeze Anderson Silva on there versus uh, Uriah Hall if that happens they are they are stacking this card. A term used far too much in MMA, but they really have done the fans a favour here. And uh, for Brock Lesnar to be back 100 events after UFC, the, the world record, the, the record-setting uh, uh, UFC pay-per-view event, is amazing. And it will bring eyes on the sport. It gets people like us talking about it. It will bring fans over from uh, the WWE again, which some people say we, we, we don't really want them. They don't like the sport. Yeah. They're only there for one reason. It doesn't matter. We just want people to help grow this sport, get... Uh, if, if half of them stay and, uh, and become fans of other fighters on that card, I'd take that. Um, yeah. It's going to, uh, it's just a good thing. It really is, and it's uh, so astute, and it shows the uh, the power the UFC has. Everyone was wondering what is going to happen with UFC 200 when Conor McGregor uh, got pulled from it, amazingly, um, and it has just got bigger and better. And uh, it is the event that everybody was waiting to hear about, yeah. and now is uh, it's only a few weeks away, buddy. Well, I'll end on this, on the UFC 200 talk. When we first heard about UFC 200, the names thrown about were Conor McGregor, George St. Pierre, Ronda Rousey, CM Punk, none of which are on the card. And to feel, to think at that point that the name that would be on that card would be Brock Lesnar <laughs> is absolutely beyond my thought process. I, I would never have guessed that. That I would give you better odds on that than Leicester winning the league. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy. And I, as a fan, and as you just said, Brian, I'm so happy to have Brock Lesnar back. I know there's a bit of furore about the USADA drug testing. I'm hoping the UFC can bring some more clarification on that because, as Brock kind of said in an interview, he has been drug tested. But in terms of when and where and how this is all fitted into the fight, we have to kind of wait and see if that comes to light. Uh, but UFC fill, fill him full of drugs, mate. Let's have the biggest Brock we can get. Forget <laughs> let's, it. Let's if take the Roy fight if, ha- if we're having him back for one pump him full of that shit and let's see exactly how big we can make <laughs> let's see we're going for incredible hulk levels of roids <laughs> that's that's all we can say um but yeah that that brings us to the end of the first episode of series two of war the words podcast absolutely fantastic having you on the show mr brian lacy it's oh, been mate. probably one of the most funnest 60 minutes I've had in my life in the past couple of weeks, which shows how much of a boring bastard I am. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm really, I'm judging you now if this is the funnest 60 minutes you've had in your life. Uh, uh, but no, pleasure for doing it, mate. And if people do want to check out the, the Wimpy Warrior thing or even come and support me, check it out on Sunday, York Hall, uh, Sunday the 19th, Father's Day of all days, mate. Um, what a day, uh, what a day. Take your dad to see Brian Lacey get beaten. Take like, your that dad. That is a perfect present. Do you know what? And uh, it's highly like, all my mates have basically, they've said their own 
only coming to watch me get sparked out. So uh, <laughs> the supportive, loving friends that I've got. But yeah, I'm doing it. The end of this journey happens there. And uh, check out Wimp to Warrior if you are interested in doing it for season two or beyond. So uh, huge thanks, buddy. And I'll, um, I'll speak to you soon, mate. All right. Yeah, so for everyone listening, please, you know, as Brian said, it's a fantastic six months that he's just had a Wimp to Warrior. If you can go and support him at your call, please do for Wimp to Warrior. For more information, check them out. And yeah, of course, Brian, always fantastic chatting to you. Again, let's not leave it as long next time. We always say this. We always leave it like four months, five months until we chat again. But, um, you know, hopefully we do get to speak again soon. And I do genuinely appreciate you being the first guest of Series 2 on the War of the Words podcast. It's an honor, buddy. I'll speak to you soon. Take care, mate. All right. Take care, Brian. And for everyone else, thank you for listening on this week's War of the Words podcast. As we said, this is our new format. Every week we're coming to you with a brand new show, a brand new guest, and we're hoping that you will join us for the ride. I've been your host, Andreas Giorgio, and we will see you next week. <laughs>